Chad, what is up, man? What do you think uh, we start this off by asking our listeners a couple of questions? Hell yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go deep. So are you in a process right now looking to change what it is you're doing? Or are you struggling to get out of a lot of the same patterns? Or maybe everything you know as normal and routine no longer exists, like the COVID-19 made this exact thing a reality for a lot of people. No longer can we just wait for our circumstances to change, but we need to reinvent who we are. And also a little side note, if you haven't checked out my last episode regarding sacrifice, it's going to put this in a little bit more of perspective for you. So go check it out and come back. Anyways, I'd like to welcome everyone and thank you for tuning in. Today's April 23rd of 2020 and what an episode we have in store for you today. You guys are listening to MetaLine's Real Pros, the podcast for linemen, leading the workforce, striving to be the best in-and-out husband and on-the-fly father. A little bit of a background of our guest today. This young buck is in his early 30s, and he's born in Santa Rosa, California, and grew up in between Petaluma and Lake County, California. He's an amazing father and a proud husband, and he also has a two-year-old baby boy who he coincidentally had on 4th of July. Patriotic, I think so. He's also joined the Brotherhood twice, not only graduating the U.S. Marine Corps in 2010, but also graduating NLC in 2015 and is currently a six-step apprentice in the IBEW's Mountain State. This is a guy who thinks a fun time is taking his wife out to Lion's Head Ranch to go pig hunting or bringing his family along on the work traveling adventures in his fifth wheel capturing every amazing moment along the way together. And when it comes down to it, this is a person who I know understands what it takes to continually pursue greatness and constantly create opportunities for a future you'd be proud of. So ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you a man who is destined to become a leader in the trade within the next five years and who's learned how to stay in the fight and pivot to survive. Chad Knapp, everybody. Thank you for coming on, man. What is going hey, on, thanks, dude? Pretty nothing much. Just yeah. uh, hanging out, you know, living with the family, the kid. Uh, kid's finally down for the night, so got with you, and we're gonna do this little podcast for you. So right on, I'm, man. I'm down. <laughs> so how's your how's your folks and everyone doing with the shutdown? Are you guys surviving this COVID nineteen? Uh, I mean, like my little brother, he's a lineman too. Um, I mean, he's still working and. He's in Nevada right now working out of 1245 and he's loving life, uh, working probably 50, 60 hours a week, uh, doing some, uh, probably some reconductor or something out there. I'm not too sure. I haven't caught up with him for a little bit. My folks are doing good. I mean, as much as they can be right now. And, you know, we're just taking it day by day. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. So Easter, what was that? Like a week ago? How was your Easter, man? Where, where did you guys celebrate? What did you guys do with who? Um, we stayed right here in Denver, Colorado, where uh, I'm working out of here at 111. And uh, we honestly uh, stayed with the, um, some friends from church and stuff like that. It was a little bit harder because of Easter and the whole COVID-19 thing going on. Right on but uh, we had some people come by. They hid eggs in our front yard. Our kid went out and, you know, <laughs> found eggs all morning long. So it was, it was a good time. Some of the uh, neighborhood kids, we helped them out too. We gave them the eggs, you know, hid them in their yard for a while. So we kind of passed it through the community as much as we could. Dude, so awesome. it was a good Easter. 
what a community. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about too, really. I mean, it sucks the pandemic, but the community is where it's at. I mean, it's amazing. So RJ, dude, his birthday's on 4th of July. Did you guys plan that? Like, what's going on? How did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you asked. Uh, no, he was due um, seven weeks after July 4th, which was when, what, uh, sometime in July, August, something. Mm -hmm. and or beginning of september actually and when it came down to it um i think september 27th was the exact date that he was supposed to be here but uh in fact we were all partying for fourth of july you know we had the weekend off with all the boys here my little brother was actually in the uh, park too because he was working at the same company i was oh no way so it was yeah so we were just partying i got super drunk and uh my wife came and got me at like 11 and i came to bed and uh one o'clock she woke me up and i was still hammered I, kn I know it's probably not a good thing but i still don't remember how we got to the hospital and got her up there and four hours later <laughs> we uh had little rj at two o'clock in the morning so that's crazy <laughs> i was like dad i'm ready let's go <laughs> <laughs> you came out like a little firecracker oh dude that is so awesome man so like what are you envisioning on how are you going to celebrate his birthdays from here on out like what what are you going to do in the future just be camping every well, time or what? <laughs> I mean, as long as uh, we don't get COVID every year, you know, we'll be good to go. We'll be, you know, honestly, we thought about it. was like, I don't even have to get him a present. We got fireworks every year. I mean, we'll say it's for him, you know, until he, under <laughs> until he understands that it's not for him. <laughs> right. That's awesome, dude. Uh, so. Speaking about birthdays, yo, yours is in a couple of weeks, right? You're turning, uh, what, 34 on May 5th? Uh, 33 on 30. the fourth be with you <laughs> nice man so cool so what do you, you got any special plans of doing anything uh you know i was gonna buy a dirt bike but uh i think we're gonna put a hold off on that until this apprenticeship's over with so i can yeah. don't have to worry about getting hurt and stuff but no there's no big plans i mean we don't really do too much for us we'll probably just hang out i mean it's on a monday so gotcha. <laughs> not too much to do nice so Okay, well, uh, breaking back into reinventing yourself and back to the topic uh, today, it's a process. And uh, the beginnings to the process of reinventing yourself is to always be mindful of what you tolerate and what you expect as a baseline for everything in life. And just like a compass being magnetically drawn to true north, so is your attention and actions when you focus is not applied. So where is your magnetic north? Where do you default to? Chad, so from the U.S. Marine Corps to NLC to IBEW, man, tell me, tell me a time where you had to reinvent yourself along the way till now. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of steps back. Um, I mean, there was a time, uh, 2010 came around, I, I didn't know what to do with my life, so I became a truck driver. And I cruised around for a while. I, I hit uh, ITT Tech Up. Um, and did that for a while. And then, um, I dropped out because I had, I got, um, recalled back to the army and, um, cause I went from the Marine Corps to army. I know it sounds weird, but, uh, then I went back to Afghanistan and then after that I wanted out and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I worked some few dead end jobs, didn't know where I was going. And I kind of, you know, went from there and I, I got into this, um, if you want me to go into that and how I did that right now, I can do that. Mm. Uh, well, I was, so, I was wondering like, so 
during during the reinvent yourself when you were reinventing yourself you mentioned that you uh came across a method of the crawl walk and run and it sounded like that was a huge help in 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 uh, a portion of your season of life you wanted to explain right. a little bit for for our listeners cuz i'm really interested in that in itself so in a, um so what i had to do is um to you know you get knocked off your feet and you get put on your butt so a lot of guys in the military they get out they're knocking their butt because they don't have a bed no more or food every night you know so to get that crawl you have to start in a place where you're going to be around the right people with the right you know things that are going on in their life too you know to be a positive influence and then from there you kind of walk and you know you start walking into what you really want to do you know mm -hmm. so your next step would be like, what is my ultimate goal? Where do I want to be? You know, so I started doing that. And then I went into construction as my walk. That gave me a, you know, some, some real good kind of money coming in and stuff like that. And then it was the run. What do, you know, now I got to hit my passion and goals. I'm, I'm getting older, you know, and that's the whole crawl rock one method. I think is start on a good basis of crawling. You, you know, you build from that base and you yeah. go from where you are. My, you know, that's how you get your compass. And, I feel like if you slow down and you really think about what you want to do and start over, you know, cause I, I, I had to start completely over. I had nothing really. So I mean, good friends and family around me, but right. to really crawl and then get to the next step to the next step, it's more of a crawl, walk, run method, which, you know, that's a leadership trait of mine too. So yes. it works out, you know, if you can see that. That's huge, man. And I, I fully agree. Like we are always in motion. And it's up to us to decide whether we're going forward or backwards, dude. And uh, obviously yeah. that whole method is forwards and it's amazing. Um, but there are times when you, when you, it's kind of like a zigzag pattern. You, you, you have the goal, like you were saying, those goals are huge to at least start crawling towards. And like the words of uh, Heinz Christman, aim for your goals. Even if you step off the path for a moment, it's okay. Just always direct yourself back to the goals. And I mean, Dude, that when you mentioned that to me and and how you came across that saying, wow, I, that that went up on my whiteboard for for keeps for sure, dude. Because that is such a, a simple saying, and it and it all balls it up into one. Like just just keep trucking, crawl, walk, run, as long as you're going to your goals. Um, every time you reinvent yourself, you will be a fuller and better person for it. And when things are bad is the best time to reinvent yourself that I found personally that helped me out. And uh, just like established products, brands always need updating to stay alive and thriving. You periodically need to reinvent yourself as well. And you have to consistently reinvent yourself to invest in your future. Like you were saying earlier, Chad, just every step you took was just investing in your future a little bit more, mapping out your goals and going towards them regardless. Uh, could you tell me a little bit of the beginnings of how you heard about the trade? Um, yeah, uh, it started back uh, 2000, yeah, 2010. Um, I got in the Marine Corps. Um, I was, I signed up for um, ITT Tech and um, I got with your brother actually and came over to his house. And there was one, uh, one night where I actually stayed at your guys' parents' house and he, he was leaving that day to go back to school. And I was like, Hey, what school are you going to do? And he's like NLC. And I was like, Oh, okay. It didn't put a thought process of what it was. You know, if I was, you know, not even a 
not even a thought in my back of my head what it was or whatever. I was going to criminal justice for ITT Tech. I was going to become a police officer. Was That's right. I remember dropping you off there once. Yes. Damn. So it wasn't until after I came back from Afghanistan with the Army that I was working a construction job down in uh, San Francisco and the building I was working on burnt down. And that day, my little brother called me and was like, hey, dude, I'm going to go to NLC and become a lineman. I was like, what's a lineman? You know, I still had no idea what it was. And he told me, oh, it's the guys that build power lines. I was like, are you telling me that I don't go in my bedroom and flip on those lights and they match the Bluetooth there, <laughs> you know? And he was like, no, people actually build those things. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. Looked a little into it. The girl I was dating at the time, not my wife now, um, I showed her what it was over the over the next week i was like dude this might be a good thing for me to get into it's construction it's outside it's changing it's always you know revolving into harder work and better work and i can go anywhere i want you know after i journey out and stuff and she was like nope nope three days later i packed my stuff and left <laughs> and i slept on a buddy's yeah slept on my buddy's couch and sent my uh application and got accepted and um i went through nlc graduated and uh March of 2015 and three weeks after I got out of there I was down in Arizona working non-union which was great uh for about a year and after that I'm like this is where my grandpa comes in play how I got into the union was he passed away I quit that job came home I had some stuff going on that was um mentally from being overseas and stuff that I hadn't dealt with and so I was still kind of in a dark place. So I, I took a year off and I said, you know what? I can't give this 110%. I'm not going to do it unless I can. So that's how I end up meeting my wife now is when I came home on that trip. But it wasn't, and I wasn't going to go back to wine trade. I was going to truck drive. I was going to build houses. I, I wasn't too concerned about it. But okay. I was truck, um, back with, uh, I think it was 2016 when the Oroville Dam actually went down. Uh, that was about to, the Oroville Dam was about to uh, bust open and all this stuff, crazy stuff happened when I was up in Oroville. So I started truck driving again, dropping rocks off on the dam. And this guy, Matt Adema, stopped me and he goes, hey, is this what you do for a career? And I was like, no, I mean, I build houses. I'm just doing this because it's emergency work and it's good money. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you ever thought about coming like a lineman or something? You know, you ever thought about doing something like that? Because it's a great job. Dude. You'd have fun. You're really active. And I said, that's funny you say something because my brother is in mountain states apprenticeship right now. And I've already been through NLC and he's like, I'll help you do the paperwork. Let's meet up in a few days. So I did. And dude. he helped me get all the paperwork and there it was. <laughs> there I am. That's amazing, dude. That's great. So, you know, that story is, is so awesome to, to just know that like the last time we really hung out was probably around that time you and I of those days, right. season in life, that time of just, I don't know, grabbing at the next, right? And, and honestly, I didn't know you were sleeping in your car and stuff. And I've had to do that several times, at least with the trade. But those are some, those are some trying times. And there is something beautiful about that kind of struggle. Because when someone's in survival mode, we're, we're in beast mode. We're, we're, we're beasts of taking action. Not, not that we're uh, getting used to the struggle and sacrifice is the goal, but to be continually familiarized with like that hard work and that struggle or that supervised stress really puts you in a whole different mind frame, not allowing yourself to, to become comfortable enough to be blindsided when like unpredictable life changing events rear their ugly heads like coronavirus, dude. And uh, I know you mentioned <laughs> that your grandfather got you into the IBEW. How do you, how do you like it? How do you like the brotherhood, so dude? 
Uh, well, I mean, like I said, I've done non-union and then the IBW. The, the thing is, I, I like the IBW. I mean, as many as times as I hear people complain, like, this isn't right or, you know, or, you know, I hear a lot of people that aren't union and they go, hey, but we got to you guys got to pay a lot of money out of your paychecks. And I'm like, honestly, I don't even see it. You know, like, really? I just know that I have super good, you know, I have good insurance, you know, but there's non-union companies out there too that have super good insurance. So, I mean, either way, like, if things got bad here, you know, like, yep. you know, in the union, it's, it's, it's a brotherhood. We all have to stick together. And, you know, I, either way, like I had fun on the, the non-union side and I'm having a blast on the union side. So yeah, there's definitely um, pros and cons to each man. And I've, I've experienced it too. When I started in the trade, I was out in the oil fields for contractors and, and then I eventually worked my way in the IBEW into the, but we're all a brotherhood alignment. It's just funny how some people are, are so polar extreme that uh it causes its own divide within our trade but uh i wanted to touch on the brotherhood dude because a huge issue for a lot of like linemen or say veterans or just men in general is that we don't know how to ask for help when it comes to reinventing ourselves and having to take that step back and like reevaluate reprioritize or re-aim and then take flight once again uh, and it's it's hard to do alone like every every time Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to step back and reflect, but to do it every time it's hard. And uh, one of the benefits about being a lineman is that brotherhood, like I said, and that we are very tight knit and uh, you don't really, I mean, you find that in the Marines, I'm sure, but there's only a handful of trades out there that do give you that camaraderie. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. But for a lot of guys, they, they don't have that opportunity when they come out. Because I, I had a friend who struggled with this, and he came out of uh, serving for the country and then went straight into line work. And it was like the best fit for him ever because he didn't lose the brotherhood. He had a lot of support on it. But there's a lot of guys out there that I have conversations with that don't have that transition opportunity, that do come out of serving and then are just kind of, like you like you explained, just trying to – re-enter into that civilian life man um here's here's something that may some of your list some of your listeners might want to know this and i didn't know and i wish someone would have told me please don't was me. yeah in 2010 when i got out they had this they had all these things called helmets to hard hat programs and uh no one ever told me what they were so i never attended any of them what it is is i have a buddy who is is in Southern California right now. He journeyed out uh, just a few weeks back, and he and I was like, "How'd you get to? How'd you get in so fast and get out?" And he was like, "Honestly, dude, I went from uh, he he got out I think in 2013 or something like that. But he uh, got out and went straight into the helmets to uh, helmets to hard hats program. And he said the day he got out of the Marine Corps, he went straight into uh, NLC, and then straight from there." He got accepted into um, where this, I believe it was Cal Nev. Wow. wow. So there are programs out there for guys getting out. Just, it's probably a, uh, you start getting into, you know, uh, your, I forget what it's called now, the get out program, whatever. Then six months before you get out, you got to take all these classes. Okay. Start asking about those things, you know? Yes, dude. That's so funny. I'm so glad you mentioned that because a couple of questions later, I was literally going to ask, is there a real life job opportunities you can come out with? Or is there programs offered? So I really appreciate you mentioning that because that's going to save a lot of people headache and the men trying to make that transition, dude. I, I appreciate that. So 
for a guy who has my brother's keeper tattooed on his back since uh, <laughs> 2011, but you didn't get into line work in two, 2015, like brotherhood must be a big thing for you. And obviously why we're chatting, it, it, it's heavy on our hearts and it means a lot. But I was just wondering, what did it mean when you got it? And has it changed or just added into added meaning to it since you've had it? Um, no, honestly, uh, the best thing about that tattoo is this trade. I mean, uh, the, the service I have, my brother's keeper in the service, it's, it's the only trade that I could actually live here. We can joke around. We can say whatever. We don't have HR complaint system. So the brotherhood's there. You know, we, we sit there and we bicker at work. We fight or whatever we do. But we go home even stronger together. You know, yeah. so the difference between the Marine Corps and being overseas and being on the line every day is that we have each other's back. And we spend more time with these guys than we do with our own family. So our bond as brotherhood is tight. And the guys who come on the cruise and they feel awkward and everything like that. Like, I don't know. I mean, you've been probably been on a crew where a new journeyman shows up and they're just kind of don't fit in. It's like, man, just start joking around with them. I mean, right. Right. It's, it's a brotherhood that we open arms, man. And you want to take a few jazz when I'm giving you a hug. That's fine. You know, like I, I, I could never find another trade that has such a strong brotherhood that I could say, this is just like the military. Right. That's awesome. That says a lot right there, dude. Uh, you also mentioned when you were talking about uh, the trade, it's just you, ha you haven't seen another trade where you can actually pick your own choices of how much money you want to make, where you want to work, where you want to go, how many hours you want to work. I mean, that's a huge advantage to a lot of people who don't get that opportunity, you know, joining the trade. And uh, I just wanted to ask you to maybe give our listeners an understanding of a difference between a job versus your, a, a career like line work. And I know you mentioned like the process for you and uh, the communication, like we have to have over communication with the guys in the bucket and whatnot. But I was just wondering if you could paint a picture for, you know, some of the younger cats wanting to get into the trade, what it's going to take or what it will create in you. Um, if I, I tell a lot of parents that don't know what they're going to do with their kids because their kids are about to graduate high school. They have no plans going to college. And I was like, Hey, I was right there, you know, yeah. So I tell them, hey, there's there's great opportunities. They don't know what to do. Hey, I tell them, send them to the military or, hey, go down to be apply to be a groundsman. Find out what, you know, what it takes. Have them see what the see what the trade has to offer as a groundsman, you know, and so they can look back once in a while and be like, okay, hey, those guys are up there on that line. How do I get into that? You know, get them a little bit more interested in something, you know, maybe it will catch their attention. Well, I am going to say it's not for the faint. Like, uh, it's it's a, it's kind of a struggle to get there. You know, it, it is, but if you can just give up three or four years of your life and just put your heart and stuff into it, no one says that you have to go through an apprenticeship and stay in the trade, but finish something. Cause if you don't finish it, it gets easier to stop and quit other things. So if you can finish something, this is a great program to get into it. It gives you a great future for your family. Like right now I, I can work, I can work my 50 hours or, Hey, you know, uh, I want to take a call out or something. I just put my name on a call out list. And every time right. there's a fault or anything, I can, yeah. I can take that call. What was it if, yesterday? Um, after, yesterday we were going to record this and you got a call. You're like, dude, I got to, I got to go to work. We can't record. Let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, I get it, dude. It's awesome. So the opportunities of how many hours you want to work. I mean, I've worked, I've worked up to a hundred and something hours in a week and kept going. I mean, storm work. Great. As soon as you journey out, you can go chase storms. Stay home for three months. I mean, make 
make enough money in those six months where you can stay home for six months. I mean, it depends on what, how you're living. I mean, don't live out of your means at any means. That's the other thing I wanted to say. If you're going to become a contractor and you've got to travel like I have, like I've been to Idaho, Texas, Utah, um, Illinois, um, just all over the place. And I've had, to, I've had to pay for my own expenses to go, whatever. But at any moment, you can travel. And that's one thing about being contract. Like I said, it's only three, four years of your life. Enjoy the adventure. Enjoy the ride. I mean, I put my family on the road and I said, we're going to do this together because we can become a family with the brotherhood and we can have a good time and meet new people and so many things to see out there. Don't get stuck in that small town, you know, vice, I'd call it. No, I love it, dude. Those are, those are such words of wisdom because it does help you reinvent yourself, changing up your scenery, changing up your environment, your mind frame. It's all, it's all hand in hand, really. Um, dude, so you dropped a, a bomb on me saying that you were working out storm in Denver and a cyclone hit you guys while you were out there. You want to go over that story of like the first responding work environment that us linemen have to go through. You already mentioned we work like 60 some hours straight nonstop. Um, and just maybe the tail end of that. I don't know whether it was two different stories or one altogether of that cyclone and those people when the power went back on and you were out there <laughs> on the street. Um, yeah. So it was my first storm. I mean, a lot of people that come to Denver, they're like, that wasn't a storm, you know? And I'm like, okay, but it was for me. So, um, but it was, it went on for two days straight. Uh, so we sat in our trucks for, I mean, after it started, after the wind kicked up and it's that heavy wet snow that really just takes down power lines. Well, first time I've been on storm and only been on distribution for maybe two weeks. So to me, I was like really kind of scared, nervous, um, you know, and I, and I just turned hot, like, that two wow. weeks prior Dude, so i maybe had <laughs> 12 hot hours maybe under my belt you know at that point if, if any and uh we go out to a store and yeah we were uh, i think it was 60 hours straight pretty much uh, no sleep and uh you just packed your bag and threw it in the truck and you just kiss your kids and wipe goodbye and you know and you'll see them when you see them you'll talk to them when you can um you know, and we get out there. I mean, the nerves are there, but I mean, everybody's there to support everybody in those kind of moments. The day-to-day -day life kind of gets a little bit, you know, repetitive a little bit once in a while. But when you get on storm, everybody just kind of clicks. They know what they're doing. If they don't, you know, no one's no one's riding each other because they know that everybody that's up there needs everybody on the ground support too. True. So, you know, and you know that tell end of the story where everybody was happy. This is this is the biggest thing about being in line work. I, I feel like if it gets the goosebumps every time it happens. It's only happened, I think, maybe twice here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's that time where you come up to someone's house and, hey, you guys still out of power? Just check in to make sure all the fuses got changed out, you know, make sure that all the transformers back on line. And these, this lady comes out and she goes, um, we haven't had power in four days. And uh, I've been cooking everybody because everybody has electrical stoves in the city except for this lady that was on the corner that had uh, propane. Oh, and so – she or natural gas or whatever she was but she had a gas stove and she was, she was cooking the whole neighborhood food the whole week people were bringing food out of the refrigerators because they couldn't eat it no way so she was telling us all the story so it was kind of cool because uh we were, i was like hey you know what we'll be back in about an hour we'll see what's going on and uh yeah it was like 30 minutes later we got up on the pole we closed her in with a new fuse and you know you just hear all these people 11 o'clock at night cheering and all their lights are on and it's like we did that. It's not just me. It's it. You're being a part of a bigger thing than yourself. That's how I explain line work. Dude, that's beautiful. So it's just awesome. 
No, I, I fully agree, man. Goosebumps and all. It's, it, it totally is being about, it's about being a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's, that's what it is. And really, I love it. Um, and like most of us, we're, we're running for ourselves, say, if we're in a marathon. And if you're running for yourselves, you're going to lose steam real quick. You're gonna, some people will even quit the day before the marathon. And I know I've done that a couple of times with things I wanted to accomplish. So just a fun thing to keep in mind that when you're actually doing something for somebody else, that payoff is exponential to, for say, you going out and doing something for yourself. And I, I really feel like that's the addiction part of line work, not only the brotherhood, but just the gratitude from people providing power when they actually are out, man. It's, it's an amazing feeling. Um, going over some of your core values, man. Uh, faith and family. You posted in last December, I was doing some uh, Facebook creeping on you. And uh, you posted, I know we all work a lot, but we have to take advantage of the time we have with the family and capture the moments we can. And I thank God every moment we get to. As well, you, you posted as well as, uh, you answered all my prayers, Lord, for I am able to call her my wife and RJ to call her mom. Dude, those things were amazing. When I saw that, I, I busted a little tear out. I was like, yes, yes, dude. It's like we've been a, apart for so long, you and I, or haven't talked in a while. And we both entered right. in the season of life of, of being a parent and a husband. And just like seeing those raw emotions or reading those things, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. But I did want you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, telling the story about how you proposed to your wife. Dude, I saw that and I'm like, I have to hear it. I have to hear it. Uh, so um, I actually, the funny, there's a little funny hook to this one. Uh, so my wife had never seen me in my dress blues and stuff like that, but she's always, always begged me and begged me. And I was like, okay. Well, I didn't know how I was really going to ask her to marry me. And so I know that she was a rodeo queen. She was going to help out um, the CCPRA rodeo for 2013. And, but she had all these really close friends and still really involved in it. Um, so when the, the, the uh, rodeo came to Reading, um, we went up there and it wasn't the, it wasn't Reading. It was, some town i forget now but anyways the the end of the tour uh the, for the ccpra uh, for california anyways so i got with the head leader the girl that runs the queen pageants and all this and so i asked her i said hey is there any way that you guys can spare you know just a minute for me to go out there um to call her out ask her to marry her in front of everybody and she was like let me get a hold of somebody you get a hold of somebody so i said okay sounds good well, I got my uniform already. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, well, I, at the last minute, the day before, I realized I don't have shoes for my uniform. So a guy that lived in Yuba City had a pair, which uh, I, I deployed with him over in Afghanistan. I was like, come get them. Awesome. So, okay, sounds good. Not thinking what size they were going to be. So they were a size and a half too small. So I went out there wearing a normal size 10 and a half, but I had to wear a size nine shoe. So we got out there. She didn't even know it was me. And no uh, they were, they told Jackie, Hey, yeah. So they told Jackie, Hey, hold the flaggers of the rodeo queen. Just for a second. We're going to do a huge military honor for this guy. So they come out there, they introduced me without saying my name. And at the end I, they said my name and she was like, 
she was in the back. She was saying just in a second, she was like in the back, she was just talking crap about how I haven't asked her to marry her yet. <laughs> and so when they said my name over the way, they were like, why are they calling my, my, my boyfriend to this, to the center stage? Well, then she realized and I called her out and asked her to marry me. And she was like, what is going on? And then I dropped the one knee and yeah, that was, <laughs> she was totally surprised. That's a movie scene. So, uh, <laughs> that is awesome we got it all on video so congratulations man what a nightmare i love how those those moments those like tense moments never work like doesn't seem like it's gonna work out and everything's falling apart and then just love reigns true that's awesome right exactly so your new hobby dude i was we were talking about hobbies and one of your new ones uh your biggest mission is molding RJ, you said, and it sounds like it's quite, quite the mission. Uh, tell me how uh, nothing's been normal since the day of his birth for you and your wife. I know you mentioned it previously, how he was early. Was there any other fun things that happened along the way? Uh, yeah, he, when he was preemie, he was in the NICU for um, seven weeks um, after he was born. And the only thing that kept me going was line work. <laughs> that was the only thing, going to work every day and just having that support of the brotherhood. Wow. So um the other thing was um uh, two weeks after he got out of the hospital he had to go back for another week to the PICU because he got ammonia and a really bad sickness and stuff like that so that that stinks and then um actually yesterday when i was going to work and everything else like you said before um he actually was getting surgery on his ears because his ear canal didn't grow as big so they put some tubes in the back of his eardrums yesterday while i was at work so it just okay. It's just been a ride, and it's just uh, him walking late because of when he was in the NICU, he actually, uh, the way they put his body and they held it there, mm-hmm. one side of his body is so tight because of the way he was laid there for so long, but we, we got physical therapy on him. He's fine now. He just runs, and you can't even tell. Like, no one would know. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know what? We just love him, and we just let him <laughs> beat himself up, you know? We just pray every day that he keeps healthy and just keeps going, so Amen. it's awesome. That is, it's beautiful. Um, All right, dude, due to time, uh, we're going to be closing. So in closing, styrofoam weights. Scratch your head. All right, when when you're reinventing yourself, you don't want to be like someone who goes to the gym and only lifts styrofoam weights. It takes struggle and pain, and obviously RJ knows a lot about that already in his uh, few years of living that – that uh, life is just going to be something so beautiful for him knowing that he came through this. Uh, How are you anticipating Chad on using a lot of our life experiences revolving around like reinventing ourselves? Cause we've been through a lot and how are you going to use those as tools and sharing moments for RJ as he grows up just as a little uh, heads up to the fathers out there who might have to anticipate doing that for their kids. Um, You know, to mold him is that what you're asking like um yeah. to be a leader to him and to mold him and to become a good dad you know is the first thing is teach him respect i mean that's that's the biggest thing is like everything that he has we've had to bust our sweat blood tears into something to give him that stuff mm. so it's kind of um and just molding him like i told him i, I told jackie and my wife that when he gets old enough to understand it, you know because we do make good money and we do kind of you know, give it to our kids and stuff like that and show them a good life. 
Mm-hmm. And I told him, I turned around and I told my wife, I said, when he gets about 12 or 13 years old, I'm going to drive right back to the streets I lived in in Clear Lake and down those dirt roads. And I'm going to be like, this is where I came from. This is where, this is how far you need to work and how hard you need to work to stay, you know, where you're at, you know, work hard for everything you have because it's not going to be easy. And you right. just teach him a worth ethic. It's my biggest thing for him is worth ethic, respect. And to whatever he knows, teach somebody else. Keep passing down whatever he knows to someone else. If you see someone struggling, stop and help them. You know, it's not, it's not going to take more than two seconds, you know. Truly. So molding him and to become, you know, a faithful Christian like I am now, you know, and have a Christian family and, you know, put those morals into that, you know, and mold him into a good man. You know, that's, that's all I can be is, you know, mold him into a father like how I want him to be or, you know, how he wants to be. But. My football coach always told me this when I was younger, take everything good and take everything bad from every person you ever meet. And it will be the man that you are if you do that. And I never have forgotten that. And that's kind of how I've done it. So. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you what your best advice you ever received in line work is, but man, that one's pretty hard to top, but (laughs) is there Um, anything else you'd like to add for like best advice for line workers specifically? in line work maybe <laughs> the biggest the okay so there there's a saying and then there's also seeing leadership and i think saying would be chad you just need to slow down because you're like a squirrel on a pole and what he i was running to a truck and everybody does it i don't know what it is they get around they get nervous when they first get there and they'll be like go get me a, a aluminum conductor shoe you know acer shoe or something like that you know yeah. and i'd run off and be like what's an ace issue because <laughs> i would be like so or they would say a bunch of things but i'd only remember the first thing so i had to learn how to slow down you know take notes and stuff like that and then the scene leadership is um i've been under leadership from someone that's been really good you know in line work and yeah. i haven't had too many journeymen i've maybe been under two journeymen my whole time i've had mostly just foremen mm-hmm. um but I've seen really good foreman that can lead that um, do everything like that. will set everything out. So all you have to do is get there and just do your job. And then I've seen those foremen that are, I call it just in name as in the crew runs the crew and the foreman sits in the truck and he doesn't know what's going on except for they work 10 hours a day. Right. So <laughs> definitely. Uh, those are the, so you gotta, you know, that's how I see the leadership. And I love it, man. You just gotta take the good from it. And, leave the bad behind <laughs> yeah no and be just be aware of your surroundings and your situation like like you said the different leadership styles if you want to shine you're gonna to have to shine according to that person in charge and his leadership style and how he uh communicates what success looks like on his crew and, all right dude and to be go ahead go ahead oh just one more thing for anybody that gets into this trade and they get yelled at and screamed at every day and they just feel like they're gonna quit don't they're teaching you something yeah. They're, they're showing like, I didn't realize it until about seven months into this trade. This guy, when I got the layoff slip, he laid us off cause there was no more work on that job. So we went, he was like, at the end of it, I went to another company and I realized how much I had learned. And I, so I called him up and I, I texted him actually. And I said, dude, I didn't know what you were doing, but thank you. Wow. And that was it. <laughs> So just remember that. Don't get hard headed and don't get an attitude. Just go with it, learn from it, and take day by day. 
No, I love it, dude. And just to tag dovetail what you said, don't take anything personal, guys. If you're out there doing line work, nothing's personal. Like you got to understand this dude or this contractor or whoever you're working for is trying to provide food and money for your family. And you might not know a situation. So anyways, Chad, I just wanted to say uh, thank you very much for coming on and uh, donating your time to the cause and sharing all those amazing experiences of your life stories, dude, in line work. That was, I really value that a lot. Um, and know that a lot of people have benefited from listening in. Um, also, if you didn't hear in my introduction, this guy, Chad, he's going to be uh, graduating or taking the test. What, September, Chad, was it? September, yeah. You're going to be journeying out. So anybody, any of you listeners out there who have uh, anything to give them advice-wise or tools or tips, hit them up, find them on Facebook. Maybe uh, I might post something along those lines so they can shoot that out to you, Chad. All right, guys. Well, to wrap this up and uh, highlight a couple of things of the episode, every day you have the opportunity to reinvent yourself. You are always in motion, but you decide forward or backwards. And that you should aim for your goals, even if you step off the path just for a moment, just always redirect yourself back to your goals because you need to invest in your future and periodically reinvent yourself. Another saying I love to, to, to tell people is that success is not owned, it's leased and rented every day. Listen to all of us needing your... Uh, mistakes and failures. And when you listen to your mistakes and failures, you're going to, you're going to be able to uh, reset the bar for what you're going to tolerate moving forward, because one day your kids will tolerate what you did as their default. All right, everybody, thank you for listening in. And I hope you had uh, found value in today and today's episode. And our goal here is applicable knowledge with impactful entertainment. And if you want our top 10 steps to reinvent yourself, uh, check out our Facebook or Instagram page and download them if you like. So stay safe out there, everybody. And like always, I'm Joe with Meta Line Pros, pushing leadership forward within our industry as linemen. So I will be catching you guys later. And Chad, once again, thank you for coming on. And I'll catch you next time, bro. All right. Peace. Peace out.